Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno da Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go! All right. Thank you so much for being here, David, with me today. Can you tell a little bit about your story, man? How did you go from little David until now you wrote this nice book called Immovable Heart, Unstoppable Mind? Sure, absolutely. And thanks for having me on the podcast, Bruno. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Um, I've been in the health and fitness industry for 20 years, and I've worked in a lot of different settings. I've been a personal trainer for probably 16 of those 20, but I've also been a nutritionist, a health coach, a martial arts teacher, boot camp instructor. Uh, more recently, I'm an author and a speaker on healthy living. Um, you know, my career really stemmed from I was always interested in sports, uh, played different sports throughout my whole life. And it's pretty interesting. Actually, my mother is the one that got me to, to join this industry. I was in college and I had already switched my major three times. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was talking with her on the phone one day and she's like, Dave, why don't you just go into fitness? And it's so funny because <clears throat> it never crossed my mind. And as soon as she said it, I knew I was like, that's, that's it. I just knew without a doubt mm -hmm. that that's what I was going to do. But I'd never crossed my mind before. And the reason why is because I had grown up never really seeing anyone really passionate about what they did. I wasn't, that wasn't something to me what, growing up. I just experienced work as being something you do for money to like support yourself and your family. I never saw it as something that was like a calling that you could be like a vessel for something bigger that you could have a passion for. And so it just never crossed my mind. But as soon as she said that I knew it and I just dove right into it, I, I got my degree and, exercise physiology. I actually became a trainer before I graduated. And um, my, my, uh, my career has taken a lot of different twists and turns. But one thing that's never changed is that from the very beginning of getting into this industry, I had a strong desire to really know the bottom line of what's going on with our health. Why is it that so many people, I mean, weight loss is a worldwide epi epidemic at this point. And, yeah. you know, for me in the U.S., I know that you're in Brazil right now, but in the United States, our country pretty much every year is the most unhealthy it's, it's ever been. We spend billions and billions of dollars every year on health and fitness, and every year we're still the most unhealthy we've ever been. So obviously something <clears throat> that we're doing isn't working. And, um, you know, I was, I was really, you know, determined to get to the bottom line of what that is. And mm -hmm. so that's all, that's the one thing that I've always been, you know, involved in, um, in the beginning of my career, when I didn't really have a lot of experience, I felt like I was going to find those answers by finding the best nutrition program and the best exercise size program, put all my clients on it and then everyone would have success and they'd be happy. Um, it didn't quite work out that way. You know, there was a little bit more of an inexperienced, um, mindset, 
So yeah, what, yeah. Hap what happened is I tried the zone diet, the Atkins diet, the Pritikin diet, the blood type diet, all different kinds of diets, same thing with exercise, all different kinds of exercise modalities. And what I found was that it's not to say that any one of those programs is good or bad. What I'm here to say is that there's no one program that works well for every single person. We're all individuals. And so what works really well for one person could not work at all or even be detrimental for someone else. So yeah, definitely. yeah, so once I realized that I started to get into individualization, I started to like, okay, since I, I figured, okay, since there is no one program for everyone, if I could individualize programs, then I could have the success I'm looking for with all my clients and we'd all be happy. And so I did that. I got more and more in depth into comprehensive analysis for, for personal training. I took people through an hour and a half of assessments, postural assessments, core function assessments, dynamic movement pattern assessments, all different kinds of stuff before I'd even get them on the floor, weight training or whatever other form of exercise we were going to do. With nutrition, I was actually testing people's metabolism. I was testing their blood, urine, and saliva and finding out what they should be eating based on their biochemistry. But what happened is that you know I, I, the individualization was very valuable for me. It, it brought a lot of clarity to a lot of things I was doing. But what I found was still the same. A few people would get good results, but the vast majority of people still didn't get the good results they were looking for. So I realized that even though individualization of programs is important, it wasn't the end all. There was still something I was missing. Yeah, and definitely. Let's we we can talk more about this for sure later on. But you mentioned something before that caught my attention about the obesity epidemic in the U.S. and not just in the U.S. I've been living in the U.S. now for almost seven years, I think, and I come all the time to Brazil. And every time I come here, people are sicker and sicker. Obesity is also growing everywhere, not just the U.S. Do you? What's your opinion? Why do you think there is so much? problems with health, weight, all these this topics relate, related to, the, to health worldwide? Well, the, the, here, here's the thing. Um, I feel that there's one reason why we get frustrated and stuck with our health goals, just one, and it's the same for everyone. And this reason is so simple that we don't see it. But what ends up happening is this one simple thing ends up rippling out, it proliferates out and creates all the complexities that we end up experiencing in our health. And that one thing that causes us to become frustrated and stuck is a fixation on achievement itself. So here's, here's what I mean by that because I'm not saying that people shouldn't have goals or work toward goals or, or anything like that. What I'm saying is this. Let's say a person um, is overweight and they want to lose weight. What ends up happening – here's what, what initially occurs – They see themselves as being overweight and they see this slender, skinny body that they want as being their goal. And they see the goal as something that they don't have now. And that's, that's how I define achievement. Achievement is wanting to get something, to obtain something, to, to get a hold of something that we don't have now. And what happens is when we see something as something as being as a disconnect that we don't have it now, that doesn't feel good. Okay, and it projects the goal into the future. All right, we 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 can't see how having that goal is something that we actually have at this moment. So we project the goal into the future. We feel disconnected from it, and because that doesn't feel good, we bring on other feelings, other thoughts and feelings that 
reinforce that initial feeling. And so that's why so many people feel like they need to, when they follow a diet, the first thing they do is they think of restricting themselves. Like, what do I need to cut out of my diet? When they're exercising, a lot of people are like on the treadmill reading magazines because they can't stand it and they can't wait to get away from it. When we do exercises or, or nutrition in that way where we feel restricted and limiting, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't help us to have long-term success. So here's what I like to do with people. When I work with people and let's say a person wants to lose weight, what I'll ask them is, okay, why is that important for you? Why do you want to lose weight? And then they'll give me some reasons. Let's say a person says, well, I want to be able to play with my kids outside and you know, be able to run around and, and you know, have a good time with them. And then I'll say, okay, well, why is that important? And I'll keep going down. Okay, well, if I could do that, then I'd feel more connected with my kids. Well, why is that important? Well, if I was more connected with them, I feel like that would make them happy. They'd be more joyful. Well, why is that important for you? Well, if they were joyful, that would bring me more happiness. I'd feel more fulfilled. Here's the thing. I've been in this industry for a long time, and I've done this process with a lot of people. And in every case, without exception, when we move down the layers of why we want our goals, it always comes down to an emotion. We don't want to lose weight for the sake of losing weight itself. And the thought of losing weight doesn't excite a single person on this planet. What excites them is the ways that their life can change when they've lost the weight. So when we see this, mm-hmm. when, we, when we can really see that we want to lose weight because we want to feel more empowered, more fulfilled, more joyful, we realize that it comes down to a root emotion. And that emotion isn't something that has to be in the future. When we, the way to bring the goal into the present and stop being disconnected from it and projecting it into the future is to realize that the goal is there because we want to feel more fulfilled, more happy, more empowered. And when we can follow a program with that reinforcing that mindset, so if we can find a way to follow a nutrition program in an empowering way or in a fulfilling way, we can exercise in a way that brings more passion, then we're bringing the goal into the present moment. And we're able to have more long-term success. And there are ways – I know that that seems like a hard thing to do, but there are ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of your story that you share on your book saying that you failed, that you were unhappy, that you even went bankrupt. And then you heard this phrase, there is nothing to attain. Like, uh, can you share about this moment in your life? Yes, um, I was uh, with my, I I am a regular practitioner of Zen uh, Buddhism. I I meditate in Zen and my Zen is my meditation practice. And I have a Zen teacher that I go to and I was meeting with her one day and um, just getting some, you know, meditation guidance. And she said that she said, there's nothing to achieve or nothing to attain. And Mm -hmm. as soon as she said that there was just this moment of clarity that this moment is all that there really is. You know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, so I love the Rocky movies because they're based in Philadelphia and stuff. And uh, in Rocky Three, Apollo Creed is talking with Rocky and he says, there is no tomorrow. And that's such a powerful statement. And it was a powerful statement at the time, even though maybe people weren't really aware of it. But it was powerful because it's true. There is no tomorrow. There is no There is no tomorrow that anything is going to happen. And when tomorrow's here, it's now. We're only experiencing things right now in this moment. Life isn't a series of moments. It's one moment that the whole thing flows through. And it's only in this moment right now that exists. So 
we can project and say things will come about in the future and tomorrow, but when we actually experience them in our tangible existence, it's right now in this moment. So once I realized that, I realized that you know, in order for us to really have success with our health goals, we need to be able to bring them back into this moment. As long as we get fixated on the future, we're going to hold on to the past and holding on to the past and longing for the future both reinforce one thing. They make now unfulfilling. And when now is unfulfilling, we keep living. We, that becomes a pattern and we keep doing things that feel unfulfilling. And that's why the vast majority of people don't have success with their goals. They're not doing it in a way – they're not going about the process in a way that feels fulfilling. So you know, if, think of it this way. If we want to lose weight because we want to feel more empowered – why would we feel like doing things that feel restricting and limiting and sacrificing our happiness now for the future? Why do we think that doing all these things that feel bad are going to bring this great big feeling of joy at the end of it? That's not the way it works. Joy, joy, joy in small increments cultivates more joy later on. Disempowerment, yeah. limiting, restricting, 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 doing all those things over and over creates more frustration and limitation later on. It's, it doesn't change you know, it doesn't swing in the other direction when we're trained in one direction. Got it. That reminds me also, I was reading a book and have you heard of The Power of Now, the book? I have read, I have heard of and read the book, The Power of Now. Great. Yeah. When I was reading, yeah, when I was reading your book, I was like, oh, this reminds me a lot of the, the stuff from The Power of Now. And yeah, what do you, that, that's just like one more reminder of the importance of being present and not just to think about your past and the future. Uh, how do you see this, this book and your life and living in the presence for weight loss and for being healthy, right? You know, um, I can't speak for Eckhart Tolle who wrote The Power of Now, but mm -hmm. I feel that when he wrote that, it was sort of like a subtle energy that he was putting out there that would help people to like sort of it would cultivate within people over time without them realizing it and then eventually it could bring about a flowering of their consciousness um i feel that in a lot of spiritual books we they get into the deep essence of who we are and what's going on with us but a lot of times when we read them it's hard to get a practical application of how can we use this right now yeah so that's that's what i experience with a lot of spiritual books on the other end with a lot of health and fitness books and nutrition books there's a lot of practical application but i don't see a lot of like getting into the deep essence of what's really going on. Why is it that we deal with obesity? Why is it that we spend so much money but we're unhealthy? We don't see a lot of that kind of stuff, a, a, a clarity, a deeper understanding, but we have a lot of practical application. So with spirituality, we have the deep essence without the practical application. With health and fitness, we have the practical application without the, the deep essence. My book, I was really trying to, to bridge the two to get to the deep essence of what's really going on with us in our health and fitness with everyday things that we're dealing with like obesity, weakness, lack of energy and fatigue and stuff like that, things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis and then also giving practical applications of ways that we can go about it. My book doesn't talk about foods that we should be eating or exercises that we should be doing. It gives a way of – a way of – using those programs more effectively when we do use them. So what, what my book can help people to do is it will help people to use the program they're using more effectively or it will help them to realize more quickly if it's not the right kind of program for them, that they're maybe they're doing it for the wrong 
reasons or they're, it's, it just doesn't align with what they need for their specific body or their physiology. Hey guys, what's up? Bruna Gama here, Brazilian Health Nut. And let's take a little break from the show because I would like to offer you something. If you go to my website, www.brazilianhealthnut.com and click on the page Burn Fat Forever, you can go ahead and claim your free consultation with me right now, okay? Or you can just send me an email at brazilianhealthnut at gmail.com. So you can start to lose weight and feel healthier right now, okay? So go ahead and claim your free consultation with me and remember that spots are limited, okay? Now let's get back to the show. Definitely, yeah. I, I haven't read the whole book yet. I can't wait to finish this week. And you start your book with a dedication to your wife, Kara, and to people who are stuck. Why do you think so many people are stuck on their health goals? Well, I think it comes back to what I was talking about before, that we feel we have that fixation on achievement. So we're so focused on trying to get something that we don't have that doesn't feel good. It causes us to become disconnected from our goals. And then that proliferates out into different kinds. Of, so when we feel disconnected, it doesn't feel good. Then we cause ourselves to restrict ourselves in our diet, which is a big problem or exercise because we feel like we have to, or we listen to certain experts. When I work with people as a health professional, I always tell people, don't ever take what I'm telling you as being truth. Don't ever take it that way. You need to find the truth for you through your own experience. I'm, my recommendations are really just recommendations. They're there for you to use for with a sense of like exploration or a sense of self-discovery. You so use it in the same way that a child, like how a child is so into discovery. You know, I have a, my, my wife, Karen, and I, we just had our, our baby girl. Um, she's actually 14 work, weeks old today at the time of this recording. And um, we're so in love with her. It's so amazing mm -hmm. watching. Yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah, Very sure. cute. <laughs> her, her eyes are wide open all the time looking around. She's always smiling. She's trying to figure things out. We lose that. At, at a certain point, we, we start to listen more to the mind and what we think we should be doing as opposed to just experiencing things in our everyday life. When my, when my wife and I found out we were pregnant, we had a lot of people telling us, oh, you're never going to sleep again. Oh, this is going to be a struggle. That's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. And we decided, you know, it's not that we're not open to suggestions or advice from people, but we decided, you know what, we sat down and we talked, we looked at each other and we said, you know what, let's have our own experience. Let's not define the experience before we have it with based on other people's experiences. Let's just have our own experience and see what happens, you know, and some things that people have said have ended up happening and other things as they said didn't end up happening and maybe they will later maybe they won't i don't know but i think it's important to have our own experiences to not just believe what others tell us that we should be doing and believe it's true when maybe our bodies or something within us tells us you know if we're following a nutrition program because a health professional tells us that's the best one but our body doesn't feel good on it it's probably mm -hmm. not a good program for us i don't care how educated that professional is You, there, no professional can give you more, as detailed recommendations as what your body can tell you. As and, and it takes time to do that, to listen to the body and to get more and more in touch with it. it it's, it's a process. I know that right now in our society, really in our world, we want quick answers and quick solutions. And we're always looking for the fast track and the shortcut and all that, those kinds of things. But that to me is, is just an issue 
is one of the big issues. The way that we market the products that we have and the services that we have actually reinforces the problems that brought brought about our obesity and weakness to begin with. Yeah, yeah. The media is super strong. I was talking today with my father on the lunch table and he watched a lot of TV and I don't. I told and I was telling him I was like one of the best decisions I've made in my life was like to stop watching TV. I I watch a game here and there, you know, but it's something very sporadic. And he was like, "Oh, but I like to be informed." And I was like, "Okay, but you don't realize that the media is controlling you. And then I share with him um, like a song, a Brazilian song that says to live is better than to dream. And he was like, yeah, that's right. So I said, why are you watching so much TV and dreaming about uh, all this kind of stuff? Why don't you go and starting, start to experience more things in your life? And I think you'd have a better life quality, right? So what do you think about the media role into this whole health business well i mean the media has a huge impact and and, you know if you look at any types of popular magazines it's like two weeks to a new you take the fast track to a lean sexy body it's all like flashy glamorous excitable types of things and they're trying to get people they're selling people and stuff out of excitement as opposed to from something that's a bedrock of a strong foundation that's like that people could really use to build on and have and experience long-term success. Um, but, but here's the thing though. I feel that conditioning is everywhere. You know, conditioning is in this conversation that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Really we're not going to be able to get away from the negative reinforcement or the conditioning unless we were to like go and live in the caves in Himalaya mountains or something like that, like isolate ourselves in the world. I don't feel that that's the answer. I feel that the answer is to realize that that conditioning is out there. And then when we realize it, we can conscientiously start to change our own messaging within ourselves. And that can help us to not when I see that kind of flashy stuff, one person might see it and say like, "Oh, I want to try a program." When I see it, I see a, a, an approach that's not effective for the vast mm-hmm. majority of people. So it's not that the message itself is the problem; it's our way of perceiving it that causes it to be a problem or causes it to not be a problem. And so we need to take responsibility of our own conditioning. Um, one big way of doing that is by asking ourselves empowering questions. You know, um, when we, our minds work through asking questions. You know, if a person's listening to this right now, they'll actually ask themselves, you know, if they hear that the mind works through questions, they'll ask themselves, do I agree with that? Do I believe that? And then they're going to search through their catalog of experiences to come up with an answer. Yes, I do believe it or no, I don't. That The mind is always working in that way. It's asking questions and then gauging based off of, our, off of our past experiences, whether we agree with it or whether we don't. When people feel frustrated or stuck with their, with their health goals, they're typically asking disempowering questions. And this is a strong conditioning that keeps us where we are. Disempowering questions are usually why questions. Why is this happening to me? Why can't I lose the weight? Why don't I have enough time in the day to do everything I want to do? Why don't I have enough discipline? Why can't I get motivated? There's, it's always why questions. Now, when we ask those kinds of questions, we're asking why, why questions are getting us to focus on the past and they're trying to make sense of the past. For example, if I ask myself, why don't I have the discipline? The reason I would ask that question is because in the past, 
I haven't had discipline. And by yeah. asking myself, why can't I get the discipline, what I'm focused on is my lack of discipline and it causes me to keep repeating it. Now, mm. now the opposite of that empowering questions would be questions like, what could I be grateful for? If I were to like want to change my body, what would it look like? How, how would I feel? It would be, it's more focused not on getting away from what we don't want, but on moving toward what we do want. And when we can ask those kinds of questions, why, what, what are some things I can be grateful for in my life? What are, you know, if I were to change my relationships, how would they look? What would that look like? How would that feel? If I were to change and not talk about it in a negative way, well, I get away from this or I get away from that. But what would you be getting? What would, would you be getting more intimacy? Would you be getting more connection? Would you, you know, what kinds of things would be coming into your life that you want? Not things that would be leaving that you don't want, but things that you'd be bringing in that you want. And when we ask those kinds of questions, what that does is it helps us to let go of the past and we can start focusing more on living the kind of life that we really want to live instead of being doomed to repeat it because of these disempowering questions. So really, to me, the media is a, is a powerful thing, but the most important conditioning that has to change is the conditioning that happens within our own framework, our own mental framework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense, man. Thank you for sharing that. Before you, you enter on the six essential aspects of health, that's something that you have in your book I want to share with, with the, our guests. I have one more story that I found was really interesting about this guy. I don't remember his name, but he was a big coffee drinker. And you kind of like work with him, I think, for six months. And you never told him to like, oh, you're going to have to stop to drink a coffee. But you instead, you just told him to stop start to add more water and that, that way you, he didn't feel any deprived of anything, right? So can you share about this strategy that you use with people? Absolutely. You know, this stems from what I was talking about before with, you know, we have the, um, the fixation on achievement. We feel bad then we end up restricting ourselves and doing things that don't feel good to try to get to this goal that feels good later on. Once I realized that the last few years of my, of my, um, career and working with people with nutrition, I never cut things out of people's diets. Mm -hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say never. There's, there's a, a small percentage of people that actually feel good with cutting things out that actually they don't feel restricted by it. They feel motivated or inspires them. But most people cutting things out of their diet, it does not feel good for them. Mm. Like what, what, what do you cut sometimes? Well, I don't cut anything now, but, but people typically when they follow a nutrition program, that's the first thing they're doing is they're trying to cut things out of their diet, cut out the junk food, cut out ice cream, cut out chocolate, cut out hamburgers, what, whatever their vices are. They think, all right, I need to cut this out in order to get to my goal. I would never cut things out of people's diet the last few years of working with people. What I would do is I would just keep adding in. I, what I, so with that, that example with Joe, his name was Joe. He mm -hmm. drank like something like 12 to 16 ounces of coffee every morning. And that was a lot of coffee, you know, at one time. So what, what happened is that I never even mentioned the word coffee. What I would do the first week I was working with him on a weekly basis over the phone and giving him like a, he'd send me food logs. I'd look at them and then I'd give him recommendations. So each week there'd be a different goal for the week. And so the first week I said, okay, all I want you to do this week, 
is add in half of your body weight in ounces of water every day. So here's the thing. He wasn't drinking anywhere near that much water. So by And he, he agreed. He's like, okay, that's a goal that I can work on. I can do that. So I, I always make sure with people, is this something that you would like to do? That is this a goal that you feel is is you know, realistic for you and that you'd want to work on. And so if, as long as it is, then we work on it. So I'd ask him and he said, yeah, I can do that. So here's the thing, just by drinking more water like that, it stopped, he started to drink less coffee just as a matter of, you know, there's only so much space in his stomach. Yes. yes. It's fluid, you know? So I wasn't, so I got him to stop drinking coffee, not by focusing on the coffee, but by focusing on getting something else and adding in something else. Then we added, added in more water content foods the next week and more things the next week for energy, whatever. And by continually adding things in after six months, he told me he was barely drinking any coffee at all. Yeah. But he didn't miss it. And this is the key to working with people on nutrition is making sure that whatever we're doing doesn't feel restricting for them. By adding, focus more on adding in – this is for all health professionals. We should be focused on adding in beneficial stuff and not trying to cut out the unhealthy stuff that, and that makes us feel bad, You know, makes us feel restricted and frustrated doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense, man. I love it. So before um, we get into the practice of health, how do you define health? Because I remember before starting my journey towards uh, health and improve my own health, like five years ago probably, I had one definition, but I could not ever imagine that I could feel like I feel today. I haven't been sick for probably three years, I guess, like not even a cold, and I have energy from morning to evening, I sleep well every day, and it's just like amazing, I, I never thought I could feel this way. So people, they have their own definition of health, so how do you go about explaining them how they can feel and what is really health, you know? Okay, so uh, I know that this is going to sound like a broken record, but it goes back to that fixation on achievement I was talking about before. When we fixate on achieving something, we're focused on a state, getting to a certain state. And once we get there, we'll then be happy. So whether it's, and this isn't just with health, this is with any type of goal. I need to get to this weight in order to be happy. I need to like, fall in love and find my soulmate, then I'll feel fulfilled in life. I need to get this car or this house or get my career off the ground. And once it does, then I'll fi finally things will be where I need them to be. We focus mm -hmm. on these states that we need to get to and our, our happiness and our value in ourselves is tied up in whether or not we get to that state. That's a problem. And it's the same thing. And like I said, by focusing on that, it proliferates out and causes other problems. One of them is the way we define health. If you were to look up health online, like on Google or look in the dictionary, what you're going to find is a focus on states. It's a, uh, if you look up on Google, the first thing will be like a state that's free of aches and ailments. That's a state. Once you're free of aches and ailments, then you're healthy. Or other places, it might say a complete balance of mind, body, and spirit. So what that means is when you get to that balance of mind, body, and spirit, then you're healthy. It's a future thing that you need to get to in order to be healthy. This is not health. To me, health isn't a state to achieve. It's a process to be cultivated. 
you're you're feeling good in your life because you're not needing to get to this end result and tying up your happiness there. You're feel I'm talking to you personally, Bruno. You're feeling mm-hmm. good yeah. in your life because you're doing it on a daily basis. It's a process for you. It's the way it's a way of living, not a place to try to get to. Our health programs shouldn't be a vehicle to a destination. They should be to to a vehicle to a destination that we don't have. They mm-hmm. they should be an exercise in expanding what we already do have. So, to, to, to I know this is long-winded, but basically, the way that I define health is that health is a process that determines how we live our life, and that process is shaped and transformed through the overall content of our thoughts and feelings. That's how I define health. So basically what that means is that health is a way of living. If The more and more healthy we are, the more we're living in a joyful and fulfilling way, regardless of what area of our life we're talking about. To me, health is all-encompassing. It's, it, it, health has to do with the way we live our livelihood. It has to do with our relationships. It has to do with our physical body. And when we can live in a way that's joyful and fulfilling, that's moving more and more toward true health. Whereas when we're focused on achieving something and we're restricting ourselves, we're actually moving away from health in that point because the way we're living right now in this moment doesn't feel good. And that keeps proliferating and patterning out and continuing to not feel good. That's not healthy to me. Cool. Thanks, man. So that takes us uh, for, for the six essential practices of health. And number one is generosity. And people might might listen to this and be wondering what does generosity has to do with health? Right. So generosity is, to me, generosity is the practice. I know that when you hear generosity, like what in the world does generosity have to do with yeah. health? Generosity to me is the practice that actually counteracts obesity. We need to be practicing generosity in order to deal with our obesity. And here's the thing, Bruno, my whole mission in life, my purpose and what I do with my business and the books I write and the products, I'm developing a program right now based off of my book. Everything that I do is based off of where, how we're connected. Here's the thing. We all deal with obesity. All of us. I deal Mm -hmm. with it. You deal with it. Your clients deal with it. It doesn't, obesity isn't just about being overweight in the way that I look at it. When we look at obesity, when we look at obesity, the physical act of gaining weight is just the surface manifestation of something deeper that's going on. When we think about what obesity really is on a root level, it's an imbalance where we're holding on to more than what we need. That's what obesity mm-hmm. is. So with our physical body, that should, now that it does show up there as, as physically being overweight. But in our relationships, we, obesity would be like holding on to past memories or baggage or guilt or regret, like holding on to things that stop us from living a more intimate and connected life with other people. That is also obesity. And, and wow, we don't that's think, awesome. We don't think of it that way, but that's and it's the same thing. So and and with our livelihood, if we're if we have a job that we don't have a passion for, or we have a, an unhealthy family life, or we have a lot of resentments and we're holding on to things, it causes us to you know to live in a way that's not doesn't have passion. That's also a form of obesity. So. You know, uh, with generosity, what that is, generosity I define, a lot of people think of generosity as like giving gifts. That is generosity, but generosity is much more than that. To me, generosity is a force of nature. Generosity is about letting go or parting ways with what's no longer needed. 
That's what generosity is. So, you know, when we let go of our past resentments, that's a form of generosity. When we let go of the weight on our body, that's actually a form of generosity. That's the stuff that isn't beneficial for us is beneficial for other things in the environment. Just like when we exhale, that's a form of generosity because we're letting go of carbon dioxide, which the plants and the trees that's beneficial for them. It's toxic for us, but it's benefit, yeah. beneficial for them. And then when we inhale, we receive a gift from them. That's integrity. That's the second practice where we're, in, we're getting oxygen, which is toxic for plants. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing. When we're letting go of you know past resentments, we're able to feel more connected with other people. Just like when we're able to let go of more of that excess weight that we don't need, we're feel, able to feel more connected with our bodies. It's the exact same thing. They're no different. I I, um, I once saw this poster and I love this poster. It's it was probably I don't know. It's probably like fifty or a hundred different pictures of people smiling, and they're all around the world. They're third world countries, first world countries, black, white, Asian, Indian, like all different nationalities, all different races, religions, traditions, different cultures. Uh, everything about these people was different, except this the the smile when you looked at their smiles. The inner essence of their smile was all the same. And in that way, on the other, and and I believe that by focusing on the inner essence of that smile, we can come together as one human family. On top of that, on the other end of the spectrum, we all deal with the exact same things. Obesity is something that every single one of us deals with. Some of us deal with it as excess weight on the body. Others deal with this as excess holding on to the past, which breaks down relationships. Others hold yeah. it, hold on to work that we don't really want because we're afraid to branch out and do something we really do want to do. So we live a passionless work environment. They're all, they don't seem like it, but they're all different forms of obesity. And we all deal with them in some way or another to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. Got you, got you. This leads us to practice of health number two, which is integrity. Can you talk about this? Right. So whereas generosity is about letting go of what's no longer needed, integrity is about is about bringing in or connecting or unifying with more of what is needed. So with generosity, um, just to backtrack for a, a second, the first step I always talk about with generosity with people is when they have a health goal – the, the way of practicing generosity is to make their goal bigger than themselves. In my experience in 20 years in the health and fitness industry, the people that have had success with their goals always expanded their goal to include more than just their own self-interest. So, for example, a person might like struggle with discipline or motivation for years and then they decide to join a sports team and bam, they start losing the weight right away because they couldn't find the discipline for themselves. But there was no way that they were going to be the slow person to hold the rest of the team back. That, they don't think of it this way, but that's a form of generosity. They're trying to be of service, of value to other people. So now their weight loss isn't just about losing weight. There's actually a purpose behind losing the weight. Other people, they might see their kids start to un, to form unhealthy habits or, or gain weight, and they're like, oh, no, we're not having this. So then they start to lose weight to be a better role model. They couldn't do it before, but now they have the incentive because they want to help their kids. Other people – wanted to be health and fitness professionals. Anytime I, I would talk with someone and I'd ask them, why do you want to lose weight? Like a personal training client. And they'd say, because I want to do what you're doing. I want to lose the weight because I want to help other people that are struggling with what I'm struggling with and helping them to deal with it and, and feel better in their life. Those kinds of people end up having success. That's why a lot of health professionals are their own first success stories. They began their, their, their journey with weight loss 
with a generous goal, with a goal of helping other people in some way. Their goal had a greater purpose than just their own self-interest. Those people weren't just losing weight to try to like wear a bikini to go to the beach. Not that there's anything wrong with that type of goal, but it's just in most cases it's not powerful enough because it doesn't serve others in some way. It's not that we shouldn't have that as a, as a motivation, but we need to find other ways of, of being of – so when a person's frustrated, I can ask them, why do you want to lose weight? They'll have a, an easy answer like I want to lose 50 pounds, I want to lose 60 pounds when I ask them what their goal is. But when I ask them, how are you going to be of service? How are you going to be of value to other people through that weight loss? People that feel frustrated and stuck don't have an easy answer for that because when we get frustrated or stuck, we're focused on ourselves. We're self-absorbed. When we get mm-hmm. focused on other people, the best thing a person that's frustrated can do is get focused on helping other people. And when yeah. we do that, we get off of fixating on our own problems. Then we can let go of them naturally. That's a form of generosity. Integrity – so integrity is the complementary practice to generosity. So sorry to backtrack like that, but I, I thought it was important to give a practical, Ooh, no, no problem. a practical application to generosity with things like weight loss. Integrity – so when I look at integrity, integrity to me is like when you're building a bridge, like the structural integrity of a bridge. You need two things. You need strong, sturdy materials. Okay, You need strong stones or bricks or whatever you're using to build the bridge. But you also need to configure those materials in the right angles, the right way in order for it to be structurally sound. If you have strong materials but a weak configuration, the angles are off, the bridge can collapse. You know, and, and on the other end, you can have perfect configuration, the right angles and everything. But if your materials are weak, the bridge can also collapse. The only way the bridge can be strong and sturdy is if you have strong materials and a strong configuration. Then cars can drive over it and storms can move through it and it won't collapse through that pressure. Integrity for us is the same thing. For us, the integrity of on a personal level is the quality of our thoughts and our feelings. And when we, when we're, the lack of integrity occurs when we're focused more on one to the exclusion of the other. And this causes us to go through what I call vicious cycles, or many people call them vicious cycles. Our vicious cycles are swings back and forth between aggressiveness and avoidance. So aggressiveness is a focus on our feelings. Our feelings are running the show. They're sort of like taking control. And so when we're like, if I, um, Bruno, if I get upset with you and I start lashing out and I'm yelling and I'm screaming and I'm upset, um, my feelings are really in charge. I'm, I'm not thinking too much about my thoughts, words, and actions because my feelings are running the show. Now, later on, I'll feel regretful. I'll be like, oh, man, I overreacted. I, I did too much. So now I swing in the other direction. Instead of re- uh, unleashing a whole bunch, now I hold in. So now when you do things that might irritate me, instead of saying something, I don't because I feel guilty. I feel bad about I regret what I did before. So now I hold it in and I hold it in and I keep holding it in over and over and over until I can't hold it in anymore. And then I unleash again. Okay, so we swing back and forth between this aggression and avoidance, and it's a natural vicious cycle that we go through until we realize it. So this is a a simple uh, example because it involves just me and you. And, you know, in most cases, that's not the case. You know, in most cases, when I get aggressive, I might be holding things in 
in many different areas of my life in many different ways and you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or say the wrong thing at that moment when my avoidance is ready to tip over into aggression. But, you know, in most cases it's not that way. So we see how this is can break down our relationships very easily. But what about with like, for example, with weight loss? Um, an example I use on my book is a, a woman named Jane who's overweight. This is just a fictional example. But I've worked with many people and this is very, very common. Jane is overweight. She wants to lose weight. She wakes up in the morning. She looks at herself in the mirror and she gets disgusted. She has this negative image of herself. And she says, oh, I look so gross. I look so fat. Mm-hmm. But she does it every morning. Now, why does she do that every morning? This is an act of avoidance. She's focused on what she's saying that I feel so fat, but she's not focused on the feeling that arises that it feels bad. A movement toward integrity would be like, you know what? Every time I tell myself this, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't do anything good for me. And it, you know, this isn't beneficial. So I'm going to start making an effort toward acting more positively, giving myself more loving and positive messages so that I can maybe start to get to a place where I feel more inspired and take action from a more inspired place and have some effective results. Now, that would be a movement toward integrity, but it's a hard movement to make because we're so ingrained in that pattern of negative reinforcement. So what ends up happening is after she looks in the mirror and says that, now her mind gets into that pattern. So she starts driving to work. She sees some skinny kid riding a bike. She's like, oh, I could never do that. I'm too heavy to do that. That doesn't feel good. Another pattern of avoidance. She's holding it in. She gets to work. She talks with her coworker. Oh, I can't follow this program. I have no self-discipline. That statement doesn't feel good. She's holding it in. It's avoidance. She keeps doing that. It goes to the bathroom. She repeats the mirror routine she did in the morning. So she keeps doing these things that are a pattern of avoidance. Just like when you were saying things that, are, that irritated me, I kept holding it in. Now what ends up happening is she's going to unleash just like I unleashed on you. But her unleashing is different. It's a physical component as opposed to a relationship component. She gets home. She opens up the freezer door and she sees a plate of ice cream. Yeah. Now, now this, now we swing in the other direction. We see Saul now into avoidance or into aggressiveness. So now her mind is telling her. So in terms of her thoughts, she's saying, "Well, I shouldn't have this because I'm trying to lose weight." But now her feelings take over. They win, win over, and they're now running the show. And she eats the ice cream. Now, this is an act of aggressiveness, just like when I was yelling at you was an act of aggressiveness. They're no different, and they even have. The same kinds of results. When I yelled at you and got upset, I felt guilty and remorseful afterwards and wished I hadn't done it. When that per- when Jane ate the ice cream, she felt guilty and remorseful afterwards and wished she hadn't done it. It's the yeah. same thing. It's no different. So when we realize that the way that we're living our life, when we're giving ourselves those negative reinforcements, that causes us to eat ice cream later on. When we see that, when we can see that cycle going on, it makes a big difference in really like realizing, oh, you know what? I need to start being honest and compassionate with myself. Honesty and compassion are the bedrock of integrity on all levels, whether we're talking about our body, our relationships, or our livelihood. Because honesty is inner fortitude of thought, word, and action. And compassion is inner fortitude of feeling. Those are the thoughts. Those are the the materials and the configuration that make our bridge strong so that we can be mm. strong no matter what challenges are coming our way that we don't have to fold and collapse 
in the midst of challenges. Yeah, that's great, man. I'm learning so much here. I'm just sitting back and listening to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, number three here is patience. I can see that one is easy. Uh, people live in a world where they want results like tomorrow, right? So patience, to me, patience is the... Um, the damage control of integrity. So whereas generosity helps us to let go of our obstructions without focusing on them, and integrity helps us to not create new obstructions to begin with, patience helps us to not take our current obstructions and blow them way out of proportion, making mountains out of molehills. And we do that all the time. Let me give you an example. What I mean by patience. So patience is a movement into stillness and a resting and a relaxing with our uncertainty in that stillness. What that means is life is uncertain. We're always going to be dealing with uncertainty and change in some way in this life. And we need a way to be able to deal with it in a, in a way that brings about equanimity and, you know, centeredness and patience is the practice that helps us to do that. So what I mean by patience is the example I, I use in my book is, um, I had a lot of issues with jealousy and possessiveness in the beginning of my relationship with my wife. My wife and I have been together for six years. We have an amazing relationship now. We have a great, loving, intimate relationship. But in the beginning of our relationship, we really had a lot of struggles. The first year of our relationship was like a battle zone. We were always struggling and arguing and fighting. And one of the big things I was dealing with was issues with jealousy and possessiveness. Now, this was something I dealt with my entire life. With just about any girl when I was younger or a woman when I was older that I dated, I always had some kinds of fears of being cheated on or them flirting with other guys or different things like that. And so what I would do is I would try to – because that uncertainty was scary for me, I would try to control the situation. So like I tried to get them – to not go to parties or if they wanted to go to a party, I'd try to go with them. Even if I didn't want to go, I'd go because it was better than being at home and like being focused on like these imagined scenarios that would bring up anxiety and fear and, and make me feel bad. So at a certain point with uh, what that did is it might, by going to that party, it might bring about a sense of security in the moment, you know, a short term sense of security, but it didn't really do anything to bring about true intimacy and connection with whoever I was dating at the time. It, it, in terms of long-term success, it was breaking down those relationships. Okay, So when I got to the point where I met my wife, well, she wasn't my wife yet, but when I met her, I realized that something had to change because I couldn't keep doing this. It was bringing me too much pain in my relationships. So what I did, and this is one of the hardest things I ever had to do, was when she wanted to go to parties or social things and I, I didn't want to go – I would not go. And it was so hard because I'd have like a nodding in my stomach. I'd have a tightening in my chest. I'd have a pressure in my head. I'd feel all these physical sensations because I was so concerned about being cheated on or whatever it, my imagined scenarios were. So what I did is instead of try, um, trying to control the situation, I, when, those, when those feelings would come up, I would lay down on my bed. I'd close my eyes. And I would just feel the physical sensation that was going on and I would try to relax with that physical sensation. 
And after about a minute and a half to two minutes, it would dissipate. But here's the key thing. I kept doing it every time I felt that, that feeling in the body. I would, I would lay down and I'd do it. And what ended up happening after months of doing this is that the imagined scenarios started to slow down. They, were, they weren't so quick and they weren't as intense. So the, all of a sudden, jealousy was no longer a, 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 big, a huge monkey that I had on my back that I had no control over. I started to have less and less jealous thoughts over time, I started to realize that the reason I had jealous thoughts had nothing to do with the women I was dating, but really more to do with me feeling complete and whole within myself. And it took me starting to feel more complete and whole within myself to realize that that was what was going on. Because we can have an idea about it, but until we start to really change the tide of it, we don't really have that clarity to understand what it really is. And so I started to really understand it. And at this point now, it's been several years since I've had a jealous thought that I can remember. Um, I don't know that I'm completely over jealousy. I don't know. I'm, my, my goal isn't to like try to get rid of things for the rest of my life. My goal isn't perfection. My goal is just to, to live in a more and more fulfilling way because as we, as we deal with you know bigger challenges, we're able to face bigger challenges even more over time. And you know, to me, I'm excited about that because that helps me to help humanity even more. The bigger the challenges that I can deal with, the more I can help other people in my life, you know? And so yeah, yeah. with, 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 um, so that was an example with a relationship, but with health and fitness. So, um, it, it really helps us in terms of when we don't practice patience, we end up self-sabotaging. So an example that I give in my book is, uh, there was a woman I worked with, she was lo- trying to lose weight. And so we, um, you know, one day she woke up and, and she, uh, felt better than she had in years. She had so much energy and felt amazing. And she's like, Oh my God, I must be doing so great. So she ran to the, ba- to the first thing she did, she ran to the bathroom to weigh herself and she gained a pound. And so mm-hmm. she, she found out she gained a pound, even though she felt great. So what ended up happening is that feeling of joy that she had in an instant, it switched over to frustration and anger and she sabotaged all the progress. She went and started eating junk food and, and she, I didn't hear from her for a few weeks cause I was like, what's going on? You know? And I found out that that's what happened. And so I ended up finding out if, if Bruno, a few years ago, if you had come to my fitness center and I opened up the closet, you would saw a bunch of scales in there because <laughs> it's not that the weighing themselves was weighing ourselves as a way of trying to control of, of get control of knowing what's going on. Um, it's actually a lack of integrity when we're focused so much on the scale. What ended up happening with that woman was a lack of integrity because she was more focused on what the scale was saying, which is focused on our thoughts about what the scale was saying and less focused on the actual feelings that was going on in her body right then. It was a, it was an act of avoidance and that act of avoidance because she was focused on it and unleashed immediately as aggressiveness and she went and went off of her program. Yeah. So patience, patience is, is important for like, you know, we try to, to gain control by weighing ourselves, counting calories, portion control. We do all these things to try to get a sense of control. But in most cases that ends up sabotaging the progress through the act of measuring it. 
Yep. Throw away the scale, guys. I always recommend that too. Man, we could talk for hours and hours here. I want to be respectful of your time. So for people, go ahead and buy David's book. It's amazing. So what's next for you and where can people find you and your book? Well, uh, it's pretty interesting. My book uh, is pretty exciting, actually. My book just became an international bestseller a few months ago. So what, wow. I'm, what I'm doing... Congratulations. Now, yeah, thank you. So what I'm doing now is... Um, I'm developing a program that I, that it's actually going to be a video program. It's going to be um, several hours of video, but it's also going to have a workbook that'll come with it, and it'll have a daily planner that people can use with whatever programs that they're following. So if a person's following like the Zone Diet or the Paleo Diet or whatever, they can use this program, my my planner with that program. And what it does is instead of focusing on like weighing ourselves like all these things that are are focused on the mind. And and just just to clarify, I'm not saying that I'm against people weighing themselves, but if a person can weigh themselves and just use that as a way of course correction, like without getting emotional about it, then I'm fine with it. But really, mm-hmm. it's about feeling into the body and becoming resensitized to what's going on in the body. That that's where true health is going to come from. So, in my program, I'm going to actually have people when they're doing action rate how they did based on an inspiration scale. Like how inspired was I when I was doing these actions? And I give ways of getting inspired. Practical ways of doing that, so that people can follow that and actually feel good. The, the whole pur- pur- purpose of it is to feel fulfilled now, to feel joyful now through the process of working through those goals, as opposed to struggling now and trying to get to this place in the future where then all of a sudden we'll achieve the goal and feel better then, which usually doesn't happen for people. Cool. And and uh, people can – the first step is really reading the book. That'll that'll be the first step in helping people with the program. Yeah. And yeah. People go ahead and buy the book because they also have to find out the next three yeah. components of the book, which we could not talk. Yes. Yeah. The, the book go is ahead. available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle. But if you, people go to my website, they'll be able to get it actually less expensive. There's a deal there right now for half off. It's only $9.95. Um, the website is immovableheart.com. I-M-M-O-V-A-B-L-E, heart, all one word, immovableheart.com. And uh, they can they can get it right there. Mm-hmm. Cool. David, thank you so much, man. This talk was amazing. I really learned a lot from you and I talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. It's such an honor to be on, Bernath. I appreciate it. Talk later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.